opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Saturday night, December 4th, 2021, presented by Anime North. This is episode 54 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Good evening, I'm Mike Nicholas, sitting from the perch at six points, ten minutes south of the Anime North compound in the Toronto West End, joined by James Austin and Jeff Gregg. Kevin Ng and Mohamed Shomarki are not present this evening. Both have their priorities straight, although they're both doing fairly opposite things. A quick reminder that we want you to join in on the conversation tonight by emailing us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable, and of course the website at animeroundtable.com for show notes and past episodes. Yes, we have a group on Facebook, and we're on Discord and Twitch and YouTube, and the cool part about those is that you'll probably hear more about that in the very near future. James, it's been a couple weeks. Something like that. Yeah, I, well, life kind of gets in the way, kind of the kind of work. It sounds like work with you. Correct, yes. A uh, lot of uh, things on the go and stuff like that. So you can only fit so many things in a day, as you know. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, you've, been, you've kept busy enough as well? Uh, yep, the school year carries on. <laughs> I figure that you've uh, been you've managed as well. Okay, last time we were on, and James wasn't with us a couple weeks ago when we were last around. We gave our initial impressions of the Cowboy Bebop live action, and so the big question now comes: um, How much more have either of you watched of the live action Cowboy Bebop? Be honest. Don't worry. We're not. Uh, I'm not here to condemn. Who wants to go first? Anyone? So uh, I I watched I think three three more episodes. So I watched the first three as of the last recording, um, or maybe the first four. Um, that might have been the animated series. Uh, and it took me a long time to get back to watching. Um, like I've I've. I'm still enjoying the episodes I'm seeing. So there's a lot more uh, Faye in the cast now. Um, as far as where I'm at, I think she's sort of just officially joined uh, the party, so to speak. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying it, but it just wasn't a priority. Um, even before the series uh, that I'll I'll talk about at the end of the show today uh, launched, um, there were still other things that I I wanted to watch more, um, and it's it's weird because like it's still fairly low priority. Like I'm way more excited about giving Arcane a chance um, than I am continuing Cowboy Bebop. But Cowboy Bebop is also very low stakes. Like I feel that it's a a really good like dinner show of to you know put on while eating. Um, it's where did it's, I hear that line? <laughs> I think we heard that line from Kevin last week. Yeah, it 
it's enjoyable. I've I've I'm still enjoying the character dynamics and the the acting and uh, seeing how they're adapting the the set design and and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just have other priorities. Okay, James. What about you? Uh, it's what you expect. Uh, I would say that Jeff has watched way more than me. That's honest. As I said, I can't condemn that because you guys clearly have a life right now. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> In the last two weeks since we were taping, since the Space Heater, I've finished up both. I completed rewatching the uh, entire anime series, and I apologize because my memory of the anime series was quite blurry. I did give the uh, impression that I thought Vicious didn't answer to Elders in the anime at that point. He does. They just don't figure in as much. And they are depicted in pretty early on in the uh, live action as well. And and they're give, and just like everything, probably you learn a little bit more in depth about the elders in this case. the The elders were were characters that I completely forgot about from the syndicate. So until I saw them depicted again in the anime, I mean they were a bit of a a bit of an afterthought. So my I apologize. My memory is so blurry. But it also meant that when I got to the end of the anime, I really forgot how good that was. And how how powerful some of the scenes were towards the end of all that. And that's I, and I'm trying to measure my words a little bit so as not to spoil anything, because I know Jeff hasn't seen the anime series. I don't know how much James remembers of it. I I do remember uh, most of it and stuff like that. So I is... do know where you're getting at. But I will have to say, are we taking Jeff's uh, anime card away from him or something like that? His fan card now? Okay, oh, I come on. <laughs> I like I famously like watched uh, Evangelion uh, for the first time during the Netflix uh, sort of relaunch. If someone was going to take away my anime card, it would have been taken away years ago. Well, the the problem is, uh, that's another debate altogether. Don't yeah. worry, Jess, you can take away mine too, because I still <laughs> need to get around to JoJo's and a few other things like One Piece. So, yeah, simply I just forgot how good that was. And eventually I have to get back to watching Squid Game. Or uh, watching other stuff on the, on the Crunchyroll uh, side of the equation. Mugen Train is there. Mugen Train is on uh, Crunchyroll now, and I haven't gotten around to watching that. And I think the uh, n- the new uh, Demon Slayer series, I think debuts in the next little bit too. Anyway, going back to Cowboy Bebop, so I finished both. I certainly have my impressions of both. I try to read around on the on the criticisms. I, from from my perspective, I, I'll just say I enjoyed it. But I also look at it as the live action, yes or no, 
Was the live action always going to be a, a Kobayashi Maru scenario? Was it always going to be a losing proposition? If, if you mean always, then I would say no, because I feel that if they waited 30, 40 years, uh, the fans of the anime would be dead or wouldn't care. <clears throat> Maybe that's being too extreme. I think they'd still be alive. Um, but, you know, you didn't have adamant Speed Racer fans complaining about the Speed Racer movie, despite all those changes and the more futuristic approach. Um, and if you waited 20, 30 years, the special effects would have been that much better. Um, obviously, Cowboy Bebop uh, couldn't use some of the, even the sort of special effects that have been pioneered use, uh, for use in The Mandalorian, which probably would have improved things or at least made things easier. I'm thinking that part of that was on, uh, was on purpose, though. I mean, it, 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 they wanted a certain stylistic feel to it. And... It would feel, and because of it, I think it would come across as a little plasticky and fake and cheesy. Like it felt, it, I it felt like a mix between at times Dick Tracy and Sin City. So it <laughs> felt fake, and I think that was on purpose. Sometimes it's it's hard for me to really put into words, but considering all the influences that Watanabe had. Spaghetti Cowboys, film noirs, etc. I think they were just, I think, trying too hard to as an homage to that, and maybe it, it maybe it just became a little too hard. Sorry, James. I, I, I think you you wanted to answer the question too. Uh, no, I didn't. So actually, <laughs> great, go ahead. was I was I going saying too much? I don't know. Well, I think the the style there, you know, from what I've seen, so I guess I've seen about half of the the first season. Um, like, I would definitely agree that there does seem to be intentional um, stylization there. Um, you know, some of the scenes um, that I think were even clear with that sort of preview trailer thing. Um, obviously, not quite as extreme in the actual series, at least from episode to episode. Um, but I think that when you can't replicate, um, you know, anime to live action, um, I think that this might've been a good approach because otherwise I think that things comparing it to things like Firefly would be even more rampant than I'm sure they are now. Um, and you know, for what it's worth, like it, for me, and this was probably just my history with, um, I guess, uh, anime and, and manga and probably even like uh, Western comics as well. But my first impression of the Cowboy Bebop anime is much more favorable than my first impression of uh, Firefly. Mm. Okay. I, I just want to see you. Uh, James, do you want to add anything to this, sir? Try, or do I, you want me to... I was, I was thinking more back to dressing about Firefly because I had that same feeling and I remember watching some of the stuff on Fox and it didn't really grab me till a, a friend uh, saw it later and said I should watch it again. I watched it again on Blu-ray and something clicked that time when I marathoned it. And you don't know what it is, right? It's interesting. Mm. Like I said, uh, so my week was, because I had time, still not working. My week was basically finishing up the anime and the, uh, and the live action. The movie so, as well? 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the movie. Okay, maybe I'll give that a watch watch tomorrow or something. Is the movie a continuation or is it just during a point in time? It's kind of in the middle, I believe, from my understanding, the way they said it. But knocking on heaven's door, yeah, is kind of like in the middle somewhere there because you could place it kind of anywhere between a certain few episodes and that because the gang's all there and it's before you have that kind of finale. Yeah, I would put it at at the at the latest episode uh, between episodes twenty two and twenty three. At the latest, it, it's pretty much it's pretty much a regular adventure, but you know, a little bit more elongated. It has oh. a re- and I enjoyed it. Okay. And and if you watched, yeah, if you started the anime series and at least uh, to the point where after Ed Ed comes in, so after episode nine, I think it is. You could really watch the, um, you could watch the movie pretty safely at that point. I'd say, so I, yeah, I have to give that a watch. And remember, the movie was after the uh, run of the series, so the anime series that is. Okay, so after watching, and I, I did finish the live action a few hours ago, and then in reflecting on it. I want to look up what has been said about it in the Uh-oh. last couple days. <laughs> no, no. Uh, as I said, no, I'm going to tiptoe through, tiptoe away from spoilers. No, I, I, I mostly just meant, uh, you know, what's said about an infamously hated before it was out series. I'm just imagining a lot of vitriol and, and the, doom. One article that has stuck out in the last, uh, last few days for me is an anime, uh, anime news network article. What was Cowboy Bebop really about by Michael Balsley? I guess that's how you pronounce it. And then there's a YouTube video for, uh, that's basically, that, that's basically a monologue of the article. So I'll put a link into that specifically. And it was an interesting watch and an interesting read, but I think his bottom line is, and the first lines of the, uh, the first lines of the article said, goes, quote, so Netflix put out their live action Cowboy Bebop a couple of weeks ago, and as expected, it was a colossal dumpster fire. However, of the many things that I could tear this show apart for, I feel there's one central idea that needs to be addressed more than any other. Did Netflix Bebop even understand its source material in the first place? The answer, unsurprisingly, is... An emphatic no in all caps. But to understand why, we need to take a trip back a couple of decades to see what made Cowboy Bebop work so well in the first place. And then, basically, it's an 11-minute video about that. The takeaway I got from the video is, and maybe I have to re-watch it, but my immediate takeaway is that he liked the episodic nature of the anime series. And didn't think too much about the underlying plot concerning, you know, Spike's past. He said he 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 thought about Vicious and Julia more as an afterthought. I think that that that, that was his beef with it, or what he thinks made it work. I think it worked. Work. I think it worked for those reasons. Yes, but I think. And you're you're starting to see. I'm sure you're seeing it develop quite a bit, uh, Jeff. That Vicious and Julia are very much involved in 
the episodes now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, personally, I think that's pretty cool. Because it, it, it kind of, it's always was going to hang over the whole arch of the series anyway. But so I why think- not start to regard it slowly, uh, a little bit more? James? I was just thinking that since it's a shorter uh, season, and as they say, you never know if you're going to get that chance at a second season, right? That I think it was probably going to be less episodic than, say, the anime series was. So I think they were going to look at that overarching story maybe more and in a more quicker fashion, stuff like that. So it feels probably like it's coming at you faster than what it actually was before. Mm-hmm. And as I think I mentioned last time, I think the binge culture has a a part in that too. I mean, you know, the fact that I kind of drifted off is probably, you know, maybe not the best sign for the series. But, you know, I think if it was more episodic, there'd be more incentive for people to drop it than there might already be. Okay. So there's uh, that. And it, for what it's worth, it's... I, I'm not... I. I don't know what to make of um, of Osley's um, little piece. I'm, as I said, I apologize if I mispronounce it because I'm good at mispronouncing names. Not totally sure I agree. I, I mean, it's a good, it was a good read and a good watch, the YouTube video. And it gave me a lot to think about, but I'm not totally sure I agree. Because, as I said, I, I well, but I'm on the idea on the idea of I'm trying to let the live action series stand on its own, which because I think it's been given the Kobayashi Maru treatment. Just really, just really quickly, um, when when you you mentioned the article, uh, I guess sort of complaining about the absence of the episodic nature. Um, the first thing that like instantly came to mind uh, to me was how much I am not enjoying, um, for the most part, this uh, most recent uh, series of Doctor Who, um, which is has been exclusively kind of one long narrative. Um, and that series, you know, is kind of built upon a premise of like, you know, this week we're in Victorian France, next week we're in the year 3000 at the end of the universe, you know, the following week, 2045 New York, like, it's, it's sort of built upon like, let's go to a new place in time every, every season, which, or every episode, which I know is, you know, a bit of an extreme version of what uh, you find in Cowboy Bebop. Um, but I, and, I and do, frankly, in eighties television, for that matter. Yeah, um, but I do think it's interesting that um, just this idea of how how important is it to a series identity to either be narrative or um, sort of uh, episodic, um, and I think that you know you can see that in a lot of superhero animation as well. Um, but it's it's interesting with with anime that most of them tend to be more ongoing narrative and the episodics um, are more of an anomaly like Cowboy Bebop. I can think of right now, a lot of the comedies um, go that direction, but as far as sort of serious action drama, I know there's comedy in Cowboy Bebop. Um, I can think of, of Bebop. I think of Kino's journey and uh, Jane King of bandits. Um, I'm sure there are more, but generally if you, you know, look at that sort of very 
um, you know, either action or fantasy sci-fi, um, the, the majority tend to be, here's a story, they go into arcs, um, maybe there's an ongoing narrative. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, it's this anomaly that has been turned into the norm, but it's a adaptation in live action. So it, you know, takes and things. Kind of, of, and it, came, it kind of brings it back to the style, to the normal presentation style yeah. that anime is kind of known for. And like the, depending on the director, the, you know, in an alternate reality, Cowboy Bebop could have been set up like the current Netflix series or a different producer or a network executive, what have you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but as I said, it was a thought provoke. I thought I found it thought provoking, even if I didn't totally agree with it. Mind you, one of the, my, one of my favorite defenses of the, uh, of the Netflix series was one line who just said, trying to satisfy anime fans is a lot like trying to uh, satisfy gamers and Trekkies. They were, they were, it, it, once again, probably a Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> Literally this time. Yeah. So the, the, the uh, let me find uh, the exact line. Cause I thought it was a great line too. I think it's more of an interest to see what happens when you have someone seeing the derivative first and then they go back and see the original. That always Mm. would intrigue me to see what would happen then. Well, and then that's sort of the purpose here, isn't it? Like, I mean, the whole idea with doing live actions was to to introduce the story and the, the story to a new generation, to people who aren't necessarily anime fans. I mean, there, I mean, remember uh, when we started talking about this, people were, anime fans were so arrogant enough to think that the only people who would be, have held any interest in watching it were anime fans. And that they weren't going to be sold on it. They were adamant that they weren't going to be sold on it. And they still may not be. Well, as we know, the algorithm may uh, get some other people there, as we know. Mm-hmm. So... So this time around, we're, it's the derivative work and then maybe an encouragement to go back and watch the, the um, source material, which, which Netflix readily makes available and gladly acknowledges. Doesn't try and cover it up. They actively try to get it because, you know, that's more for their subscription service. The line, uh, the, line uh, the review that line that I wanted to say was, one thing to know about the anime fan base, they are exactly the same as gamers and Trekkies. It takes... Little to no effort to displease them, and most of the time they will purposefully hate everything that comes their way. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. Great review. So, yes, I, probably true, but I do want to say Discovery is great. Lower Decks is great. Uh, Picard, bad, but I still loved it. Um, like I it like, oh, I <laughs> love Picard. Come on, I think it was badly done. They just killed off every beloved, char- every <laughs> beloved minor character. Awesome too. <laughs> Go games with Game of Thrones with everything. Oh, uh, what's the last one? Um, Prodigy or yeah, Prodigy. Um, obviously aimed at kids, but. I think it's still fun. Uh, it's weird because it starts off, uh, I think there's only five episodes and they get decreasingly Star Wars every subsequent episode. The first one, it, if you if you didn't, I think there's a Tellarite in there, but if you didn't hear that name, it would just be a Star Wars episode. And then like every episode after that, it becomes more Star Trek and less Star Wars. It's very w- weird. Um, but yeah. There you go. Lots of great Star Trek these days. 
Yes, there is. But I think, I think uh, yes or no, uh, it'll be more exclusively a television property and probably never get back to in, in theaters. I think that's fine. Um, I like 2009 and the, the second sequel, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I really love... The Kelvin, the Kelvin line, right? Yeah, like, I really love that first Kelvin movie. Like, it was very different, but it was a fun, like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a Earth 2 Star Trek. I, I like the idea of that. Um, yeah, it's, and, and now and, there's animated series and there's going to be the spinoff with Pike. Like it's, it's a interesting, diverse time for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Can I save one final word for, um, John Cho here since we're oh, yeah. talking about, and there's the Star Trek connection, right? John Cho was interviewed last week or the week before on CBC's Q, CBC radio more specifically. And he was asked a little bit about the burden of playing an established character already in Spike. And his answer was just simply, well, I've done it already. He's played Sulu, who's already been established by when George Takei depicted him originally. So he's aware of the burden. He was well aware of the burden, and I think he's embraced it even more so since then. And the word, the other thing I want to say for John Cho is, I think a couple of years ago he was, I think many Asian American actors rallied around him because he didn't get as many leading roles, despite being around for around Hollywood for as long as he had been by that point. Like this is a nice leading role for him, one of the most scrutinized Netflix releases in some time. And I like him in the role. I, I, I've enjoyed his performance as, uh, as Spike. So, gives a, gives, as I said, he gives him a new spin that I've grown to appreciate. Okay. The other thing that stuck out is, well, remember, uh, when we promote the episodes, one of the things I do is uh, put them on certain Facebook groups as well. So, I do put links to the uh, episodes on the official Anime North Facebook group, our own group, and the unofficial Anime North Facebook group, because I guess there's an agreement to disagree amongst <laughs> fandom there. So I, so I, put, I put up the Space Eater chat episode on the unofficial group, and I got an interesting reply. And I want to hear people's thoughts on it. A guy named Marco, who um, commented, quote, I feel there's just something telling about how Arcane is currently the most critically praised show on Netflix right now, whereas the live-action Bebop is very mixed. Almost as if animation is a great medium and doesn't often translate well into live-action. Okay. I want to at least uh, acknowledge this comment and have a couple more words. I did reply at the time by saying it's a fair statement, but I believe the debate takes on many different angles. And I and honestly, I think it's a healthy debate. So I want to at least uh, acknowledge that and come out with a thought. Can uh, do either of you have a thought, or can I present mine? And then I can present mine, or do you guys want me to just present my thoughts? Yeah, yeah, go ahead first. Go ahead, Darius. 
my thought is it's not as if it hasn't successfully been done. And it's not as if a, a, an animated pro, an anime property or a manga property hasn't been successfully translated into a live action. We here in the West don't see too many of them. But it's been done plenty of times in Asia. Hanayori Dango is probably one, is one that sticks out. They did. There is an interesting take on here's Greenwood, and I get it. These are all comedies. These are all slice of lives. To some degree, you're under arrest. That, that was whatever. Roni Kenshin probably is the the most successful one to have come out. I think the thing is, it's trying to do it in the West to cater to the viewership in the West, which. And this is the and this is where I where I have issue with the arrogance of the fandom. Just have to you just have to go with that. Because this is happening. This type of stuff is happening. We talk a lot about anime and manga being part of a larger media mix that constantly adds and evolves DVDs, other merchandise, figures. Little trinkets, whatever. This is part of the mix now. Get used to it. Especially since it was announced earlier this week, Mega Man is going to get a new a live action adaptation done by Netflix as well. I this is the, real. This the, is real. Get used to it. Or to those who will shut it out right away, you're going to have a stroke pretty soon. So chill. Okay, who wants to go first? I was going to say, though, Mike, if the Mega Man fans get what they want, they're going to have a stroke if the live action doesn't look like the original NES covers in North America. <laughs> that's, that's what I think is going to be the real stroke. <laughs> well, I'm already thinking about how the Mega Man... Well, cover in what way? Like the covers of the actual games as they were released in North America? Yes, those ones. The infamous ones that have now grown on people. Like, if Mega Man isn't carrying a gun, then (laughs) no-go. So, you know, despite kind of wanting to to comment on the the main crux of this, uh, you know, can't resist Mega Man talk here. Um, The Mega Man movie's been in either pre-production or production hell for a while now. So I'm wondering if this is more of a rescue by Netflix or if they're going to sort of turn it into their own project. Um, The problem with Mega Man and especially what is, you know, referred to as the sort of original series is that Mega Man's like a 12 year old boy. And as Netflix's uh, Avatar, the last airbender project uh, sort of rumored sort of, be part of the reason why the creators left um netflix wants that cw romance angle uh so i think most of the uh last airbender characters were aged up from you know 10 to 14 to 16 to 20 kind of uh age group and the original mega man series if you make that character a 20 year old it just kind of gets weird based off of the themes of the series. Like X would be fine. Even, you know, one of the the spinoffs, you know, you could work with that like legends. Sure. Um, But 
with with Mega Man, they're not going to make him a child. And I don't think they're going to make him a, like a 30-year-old. I think they're going to try to hit that weird CW 18 to 25-year-old zone, um, which I think is... I, I'll still watch it, but I think it's going to be a disaster for like the themes and the the vibe of the series. Like it is like that original series is cartoony. Like it's, you know, like they made Flintstones into a live action and it was the first one was fine. So, you know, anything's possible, but, you know, turning that original series into something more gritty is just going to be weird. Um, I think the original nineties cartoon is maybe as adult or gritty as you can take that concept. Watch, watching that, watching that cartoon, actually, I actually enjoyed it too. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, I liked it. Yeah. yeah and, and, well done. and that aged up Mega Man, but it's still like it worked because a lot of the other aesthetics of the series were retained at least a little bit. Like, you know, role went from a, a cute little girl into sort of a, stereotypical 80s teen in the 90s but like it it worked um but if you go any further than that i think it's gonna get weird not maybe not stroke inducing but still weird okay anyway i i i kind of said my piece on this one (laughs) or did i did i or maybe it was too tangential i don't know no I, i think it worked um but i think that the the main thing is that like I think you hit on something really important there when you mentioned a lot of the live action um, adaptations in Asia being slice of lifes, being comedies. Um, and when you look at, you know, successful and beloved um, more action or, or I guess action adventure, fantasy, sci-fi, um, I'm not sure Japan and Asia have the greatest track record on that, at least in certain aspects um like if if there was a live action shaman king announced i would much prefer it be north american or not japanese um, at least at least created if only for the special effects the, a lot of japanese even big blockbuster movies for whatever reason seem to skimp out on the special effects and when you have a series that's so, you know, focused on spirits and and what would be special effects, I I I would probably cringe um thinking about what would what would happen there. And maybe it would end up looking like a bad Toho Godzilla movie. Yeah, but at least those have integrity. Like if okay, you see okay, any clips of the Full Metal Alchemist movie, it looks like, you know, they farmed it out to, you know, really talented newbies, but still like it's 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 I think it's just sad a little bit. I you're you're making me think about looking. I I know I have this somewhere in my own archives, but I have at least a bad copy of the uh, Psycano live action somewhere sitting here. Mm. <laughs> but you did have me thinking that. But my point kind of remains. This is kind of the next frontier in in what we're going to see in entertainment. I mean. I'm sure that there was an adjustment period going when we started adapting superhero comics into blockbuster movies over the last 30 years. And it was hit and miss and you had people who were who were strictly on the comic book into comic books picking away at it. But it but it's maintained itself. But to that commenter's point, I think that the most 
universally praised and beloved, and I mean universally here, uh, superhero movie of the last few years was probably Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, sure, the Avengers uh, movies made more money, but people criticize it. People say, oh yeah, it was good, but it was, you know, it was exciting, but it was one of those movies. People praise, you know, the hell out of Into the Spider-Verse, and rightfully so. Um, So I think... I that's that. yeah, and I think that's a more yes, again, it's an apt anime comparison movie, to Arcane, right? Um, where Arcane, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but both Arcane and Into the Spider Verse are making people like me who kind of scoffed at CG say, okay, you know, this this actually looks good. They're taking, um, they're being expressive, they're being creative. It doesn't just look like Pixar. It doesn't just look like DreamWorks. They're doing something unique, but they're also you know, pulling out high quality. I mean, I'll, I'll, I think I'll always still generally prefer 2D animation, but I, I do think that there's a, a comparison to be made with, with those two um, examples where, you know, yes, there are popular live action series on the platform, Squid Game, um, Stranger Things, etc. But I think it's great that um, in the movie space, you can have things like Into the Spider-Verse and in the streaming space, you can have things like arcane or invincible which are which is is 2d animated that it's like oh here's really good high quality animation to go along with you know your the boys or your again stranger things um squid game whatever mm-hmm. you know what when when we talk arcane and because that's based on league of legends and then i know that netflix put its name on that and then earlier this year they put their name on an animated series based on Dota, <laughs> which I which I think fell flat for a lot of mm. people, just for reference. But it's funny because those two are the two biggest, or two of the bigger esports games around, and their world championships just, just ended. Very high profile, and arguably either the uh, League of Legends Worlds or the Dota 2 International arguably those are the two biggest championships in all of esports. So I just found it interesting that Netflix kind of dips its toes in two kind of rival rival games. Anyway. Okay, I I I I think I've dwelled on it a little too much, but and I and I don't want to talk too much more Cowboy Bebop because then we're getting into spoiler territory. I want you guys, when you get time, to be able to watch it a little more, and maybe I can talk. We can talk a little bit more about that. But we've have we have talked way too much Cowboy Bebop. I think in the last month or so, it has been the talk. <laughs> I get it, but there are other things that also caught our attention. So before we uh, finish up tonight and. Boy, we've talked. We've talked about. We've talked about Cowboy Bebop about the length of a regular live action episode. <laughs> we split off into Mega Man discussions and other and things. Other things, yes. Okay, let's. We haven't done it in a little while. Let's do a bit of a COVID update because I think we have a few things related to that to talk about as well. So, here in Ontario, well, needless to say, we thought we were out of the woods, but then. A new variant comes on us, and then so does cold weather. So spending the last six months well under uh, under a thousand new cases per day, and well below it throughout the summer, we've um, made a rebound. Over the last two days, 
the daily case count here has topped a thousand. So uh, yeah, keep those donations coming. Can't really say that the uh, new variant has really um, fueled that. So there has been a handful of cases. I think half a dozen, at least in Ontario. So it's really more Delta, Delta driven. Well, like you know, it it may not have fueled it, but you know, I think when it comes to you know, and I'm, I'm definitely cautious about the new variant and the the increased numbers and everything. But when you know, first of all, I think that you know, watch the hospitalization rates. I think that's the most important thing at this point. But with the it like, and again, I'm not a doctor or a stats person, but I'm thinking, you know, the last couple weeks, we've heard about this scary variant. So more people are going to get tested, which means the numbers are going to go up no matter what. Again, I'm, I'm an art teacher, not a math teacher. But like, that's just what I'm assuming, right? Like, isn't oh, yeah, yeah, that that's, what would happen? And that's a fair statement. So really, uh, the the bottom line numbers, yeah, that's there. Or the case count numbers, that's, of course, uh, going to catch some attention. But the real numbers you should stick with Posit, uh, test positivity rate, I'd say. ICU rate or hospitalization rate and ICU rate. Those are probably the ones that people should uh, stick around, uh, stick to, or at least pay more attention to in the long run. But for whatever reason, they're not. Like it, I, I think you know, I'm not going to spend a while criticizing the media here. That's silly. But I'm, I'm wondering why that isn't, you know, focused on, and it's all it's all numbers maybe it's just because that gets ratings um but i w- i would want to know about hospitalization and icu rates like this is an endemic virus now people are going to get it it's it's here it's going to stay um so like i i want to know how bad it is not how many it is cuz that's irrelevant yeah that's fair and it is things and just to your point it is something we are going to have to live with as we go try and go about whatever semblance and normal we go to that end. When did Anime NYC? <laughs> that was uh, two weekends ago, remember? Okay, I, okay. so we, I, we were in the midst of doing the uh, Space Eater chat, I think. So the fallout is there. Apparently there was one case of the uh, Omicron variant. I think I'm mispronouncing that because I'm, seeing, I'm getting that confused with the word Unicron. <laughs> There's been a lot of transformation. I am so tired of that. Every single conversation. And you're the first one to actually at least mention Unicron. Like, I feel like I've had this conversation or heard it like a hundred times in the last two weeks. And I'm so thankful you're at least mentioning the only Transformer that actually kind of sounds like, actually a lot of them kind of sound like it. But Unicron is the most easily comparable word and name. I am so tired of it. It's the worst. <laughs> I mean, you heard me talking with my best friend as you came in, uh, Jeff. He's a big Transformers fan. Of course, he's, he, uh, he would be the first to be able to try and memify it to me. It was fun for the first couple of days. And it's like, oh, yeah, this, this particular letter kind of sounds like a Transformer. Kind of like how, um, what's the, the angel that sounds like a robot? Is it Meta? I know Metatron from, uh, what do you call it? Undertale. But Metatron, I think, is the... Mm-hmm. It's something, but like, yeah, it's, it's just some funny coincidences there. But uh, after the first couple of days, I'm so tired of the stupid Transformers comparison. <laughs> but it is expected, I guess, uh, given what we heard uh, from Anime uh, New York or NYC. It was funny because they had um, an article, I believe, from Anime News Network 
on Anime NYC. Hmm. Okay. And um, it was, yeah, uh, and it was interesting I, talking. I well, it was interesting. Like they were talking about the um, beginning, I guess the Friday, and they said they had a, I guess, an attendance cap of fifty thousand. They've basically hit that because they said fifty-three thousand people were uh, asked uh, to possibly uh, get tests and stuff like that, and that includes price staff and all that stuff. But anyway, they said uh, they had lines snaking on Friday about seven blocks of New York City and that it started before it even opened. And some of it was because of, of course, they got to make sure they test people and then give them bracelets to say they're okay to come in the building, and they were doing those at the doors. And so... They had to think on their feet. I think they said uh, Saturday, Sunday, they were actually going into the lines to make it easier for people and then opening other uh, entrances up. But I'm guessing that's something a lot of conventions are going to be thinking about in the future, along with how they space things. But with these large events, as we said, the likelihood of being there and maybe transmitting something is still there, even if we're all fully vaccinated. And the poor fellow that had the variant uh, he had no idea that he obviously had that because he said he was fine. And then he went back to Minnesota, not feeling good the next day, got tested and found out he had the variant, even though he had been nowhere near uh, Africa, as they say, because these variants, they find them one place and then they say, this is what we have. And then other people start testing and then you find them in other places, right? Right. So, well... Okay, uh, before we really talk about the, the, those implications, do we have something to mention concerning what ki- came out of the actual in- industry news from Anime NYC? Oh, and for reference, um, looking at the, the, just skimming over the numbers, the 53,000 that you mentioned, James, that would be a record for this convention. Now, that included probably the staff and probably the staff in those convention centers and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So because no, I think not, they said they got close to the 50,000, they might have hit that for if, the attendees and stuff like that. If they were like. connected hotels, they were pro- they probably also asked every you know person staying at that hotel, whether they were um, con- attending the convention or, or not, um, to get tested. So like, I'm not I'm not sure mm-hmm. that that indicates pure attendance numbers. Yeah, okay. but tracing but is probably a nightmare because, as they said, it's like Minnesota to the New York health authorities, which then says they have to go to the other ones. And then you saw those uh, things, uh, press releases from, I guess, New York City. And then it even got on the White House uh, press uh, secretary, which I don't think any of us quite expected. But as they say, someone had to take that, I guess, for a big uh, convention. It could have been any convention. It could have been a convention about widgets. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so let me get back to this. Um, do we have any uh, any industry takes that? Uh, there, there uh, was still uh, some uh, news to come out that was interesting, and as they said, it was like one of the biggest like anime only conventions, and they were saying that a lot of people that went to it, it had a lot more energy than say uh, the New York Comic Con that had happened a few weeks before, and supposedly, I think. Aniplex and Funimation were were at that, but they weren't really at uh, the Anime NYC, which was interesting. But maybe that's because it was powered by Crunchyroll. That could have been it. <laughs> anyway, well, Funimation could have gone in. Anyway, so uh, for announcements, uh, the one thing on the anime side was the uh, Crunchyroll announcements. 
And it's interesting. I'm thinking about back when we were doing things, Mike, where they would talk about these announcements as like things that were already out and they're going to bring them to DVD or what have you. And now all the announcements at the convention seem to be, it's like, since we're one-to-one with Japan, it's like, this is coming out next year in Japan and across the world and stuff like that, which is always interesting. But I guess... Yeah, yeah the pools were used to be fun back then. Oh, yeah. those were the days. But I think uh, Kevin had talked about this, and I know it's the next big thing in uh, Shonen Jump, but Crunchyroll uh, got Spy, uh, Spy Family, or... Spy X family, and that seems to be a big get for them, I guess, because as we know, Netflix has gotten some big shows and stuff like that. And then the other one I noticed from there was what was it? Uh, Shikimori's Chikimur, uh, Not Just a Cutie, and that one is from uh, Kodansha, has been releasing the manga here uh, in English, and so they got that, and that should be a big one for them. And then they got the second season of inspector which was interesting but i think the big one was spy family i think that'll be a big one uh, across the board for a lot of people okay as like i said that's, uh, shonen jump so okay and as i, I admit uh, not titles i'm familiar with and I'm, I'm still trudging through the uh, 2010s and then there were some other things uh, like there was a lot of manga related announcements and stuff like that i know and some uh were interesting. Like I noticed, they did some audiobook stuff. Like I know uh, J Novel, they had announcements, but they also had uh, Slayer's audio novel is going to be coming out, and I think yeah, Lisa I Ortiz is yeah. going to do the reading of that, which will probably oh, be nice cool. for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Yen Press is going back to do stuff for audio novels, like uh, Spice and Wolf. Okay. And then there, the other one, this one wasn't, these two weren't from Anime NYC, but it was interesting recently that they came out. One was uh, that Seven Seas, they've been doing weekly announcements every Wednesday, but they got the license for Tokyo Revengers, which I know Kevin had mentioned to me was a big uh, thing on some Discord channels and stuff like that. But the interesting thing about that is um, Kodansha USA has been releasing Tokyo Revengers digitally on uh, their platforms and stuff like that. So you would have thought they would have got physical, but this is the first time they've had a digital. Someone else has gotten the physical, which is Seven uh, Seas. So that'll be interesting to see how that does, even though they've done Kodansha stuff before. Okay. And then the other one, audiobook, talking about audiobooks, uh, Vampire Hunter D, supposedly, I guess, oh, our course yeah, is working is working with uh, an audio uh, graphic, no, sorry, an audio company uh, to do um, the first three uh, novels so far of Vampire to D as an audio novel. So it'll be interesting to see who reads that and does that. And it's interesting for some people because I know the first novel got animated. And of course, the third uh, novel got animated and stuff like that. The third novel uh, being Bloodlust. And so the last one I think that we saw is, uh, it was actually Faku and Dumpa had a long running series that I don't think anyone thought would be uh, licensed. And that was uh, Nana and uh, Kaoru, which is a young animal series, a very long series. But it's interesting that one got licensed and stuff like that is coming over here because it's, it's kind of an edgy series, but it does. Uh, it's one of those series you don't think would find an audience here that much. So it'll be interesting to see how that does. Okay. Well, thanks for the uh, quick uh, update. All overwhelming, I'll be honest. 
Yeah, there's uh, a lot of manga stuff, and the only anime stuff it seemed was Crunchyroll talking about next year and stuff like that. And that's what it feels like now, right? Like they're talking about properties and things like that that are coming seasons down the line and stuff like that. It's not, oh, this is already out, and hopefully we'll get this out to you uh, in the next coming months, right? On a physical oh, yeah, platform. And there's, the, and there's the departure, right? And there's the departure from, oh, bygone era for us. I was thinking actually more of, um, and you might not remember it, Mike, but I think it was maybe 2004 and it was CN Anime. It was before they were Fan Expo. And I think it was the second time uh, Genion came over and they had the trailer for um, Fate Say Night and then uh, Helsing Ultimate. And remember, these were just trailers and they hadn't even created anything yet for either of them or released them yet and it was like before just like these right and they had supposedly very strict guidelines on people taping or taking pictures of any of these trailers which is absolutely funny given what phones we were using back then or what cameras we had back then, 2004. and what happens now that they're just releasing all these things now onto youtube with not batting an eye right it's just Oh, mileage varies, at least from anecdote. I can say that anecdotally, but you're right. How things have changed. Well, the thing is, sometimes it's it's always about when you release on YouTube. It's about being able to control your own message, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's some of it too. Is they want that build up, I guess, with these announcements, right? That they're saying, "Hey, this big property we know people are getting buzzed about, Spy Family." is going to be coming out for us next year. And I guess it's like the building of that buzz, right? And you hope you get that high viewership, I guess. I guess. Kind of like uh, JoJo's and stuff like that, which I think we're uh, talking about later, maybe. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, anyway, that's New York. So with that, having that seen that now happen and you know, living with, uh, living with the current reality, Let's come back to Toronto, because last week, we now know that uh, Anime North did hold its first in-person meeting in some time. Jeff, you went to it. Yes, I did. Well, I... I... How much do we tiptoe here? Anime North revealed its new poster. That's probably it. (laughs) As well as, of course, the intention to eventually happen in May. But obviously, with what's happened at, at, at Anime NYC, the new variant... How do we move forward there? I think most of it people are already well aware of and stuff like that. Like they know that they've rolled over uh, admissions from uh, 2020 for uh, the vendors, for the attendees, if they wish that. They know that obviously there is going to be some checking of people at the doors and stuff like that. They're probably going to use the app and stuff like that to make sure they're double vaxxed and stuff like that. They're going to do it probably just like if we were in this um, time zone at the moment. They're not thinking of the possibility like, I and unfortunately, I'm sure some people are thinking like this, that somehow we're going to reach uh, March 31st, uh, 2022. <laughs> the clock's going to turn over. Hallelujah. No more masks and no more checking and no more this and that. But as and, they and- said, that is if things are at a good state and a good possibility and stuff like that. So there's no guarantees. So I think you always have to plan for the worst possible scenario, which they probably are going to do with them and their partners, which is the double tree and 
Delta. The Delta. Congress, Congress, Congress Center, Center as well. yeah. I think that we're still about a week away from probably knowing how bad Omicron is. Um, thankfully, well, not thankfully, but these things take time. Um, so, you know, I think we'll we'll find out about our immediate future then and then, you know, see what happens in March. But yeah, I think that, you know, people should expect things to be different, but not as different as if they were try if they you know had run things last year, right? Um, I still have relative currently. We'll see what happens in a week. Um, I have relative confidence in the vaccination rates and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that as we've seen in the states, at least, um, you know, we are kind of inching towards conventions returning, which I think is exciting. I mean, again, anything could go wrong in the next several months, but um, even despite the variants of concern, I feel at least somewhat optimistic that the trajectory will still be in a, in a state where, um, you know, convention season will be a thing. Yeah. A different thing, but a thing. A thing. And I think for Anime North 2, they're in a better spot because remember, they're in end of May and stuff like that, where it means it's going to be warmer. They can do things outside and stuff like that. Hopefully, given it doesn't rain or anything like that, because we know it has rained from time to time last at Anime North. Just uh, just to clarify to the listeners out there, March 31st is when Ontario is set to eliminate their uh, the mask mandates. At least that's a, a date the, the provincial government here has wanted to earmark. Obviously, things change. So we'll see how that evolves, especially with the Omicron variant. Um, a future programming note and note to self, as in me, we are we will endeavor, and I know Chris will eventually hear this, but we're going to endeavor to get Chris Nobelski to come on and and see what um, is safe to say concerning any planning of Anime North for 2022. But of course, he is just as much an anime fan, so um, the inv- invite will also be to his, for his takes on uh, on the headlines as they are too. But really, I think the fact that there was a face-to-face of any sort concerning the uh, organization of Anime North for next year, I think is a big step forward. Especially since next year will be the 25th anniversary. And it's also worth noting um, through Jeff, I have a, I received a message from Norm. So um, yeah, we're going to be there if need be, uh, if, if, uh, if, if allowed. But yeah, we do intend to tape uh, something, probably an episode there. Sorry, go ahead, James. I was just thinking, I think the meeting too was, as they say, counting of heads because it has been, uh, two missed uh, anime norse and people are scattered to the winds things can change right for people over two years and stuff like that so i'm sure it's to make sure too that uh, if people still want to be involved in stuff like that because it has been a long time for a lot of people but i'm sure they'll find everyone and then they'll figure it out as always and uh, get it done right mm-hmm. well as i said we'll probably get a little bit more insight as uh, as time goes anyway uh, Jeff, do you have, have anything to add, or uh, we move on? Anime North's new poster is cool. 
Lots of movies. In 3D. <laughs> nice photo. It's a nice. It's a nice poster. Yeah, and, no, and, and the lighting I think works in the in the um and anyone at least in the Toronto area um if you walk by the um the hotel that Anime North takes place in um you know you can have a look at the office and I think it's it's probably illuminated somewhat often. I'm not sure if it's just when people are there, but um with the lighting it does uh, I think really enhances the uh image. Drop in for a co- drop in for to for a coffee at the Starbucks uh while you're at it, okay? Well, uh we're near the uh as I said this wasn't going to be a long episode uh, tonight, which is probably a good thing with uh we just want to at least uh get something out there touch base a little bit. So I'll leave um I think we all have at least one thing we want to mention just offhand. So um, I guess we'll start to wind it down a little bit before doing the uh, the anime community calendar. But uh, Jeff, James, anything you guys want to bring up uh, before we uh, start winding it down tonight? Well, I, I guess Jeff start off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as has been uh, hinted at throughout the episode, um, I've been I haven't finished yet, but I've been watching the uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. Um, I am a very reluctant JoJo fan. Um, it took me a lot of prodding to eventually watch it. Um, I think eventually I was convinced to see the first couple episodes of the first season. Uh, I didn't like it, and then I think it was years later that I decided to go through the rest of it. Um, I I have my issues with especially the first three seasons, but I really love the fourth um fifth was good um so far really good impressions of the sixth uh, but what i wanted to i guess comment on was this experience with this season of watching jojo's bizarre adventure is quite different for me specifically uh because previously i guess starting with the fourth which um i started watching i think about a third of the way through specifically the dub release um and the dub was kind of a rare instance of a relatively popular series, uh, which the dub was released about a few months after the uh, the Japanese airing, which is fairly uncommon for a lot of, of popular series these days, especially a, a sh- fairly famous shonen action show. Um, so it was really frustrating. Uh, you know, I finally get into this you know, show that was kind of tricky to finally get into. And when I finally do, I'm behind, uh, you know, my friends, <laughs> my friends are finishing the series or whatever season it is. And I'm maybe a quarter of the way through. Um, so like that was frustrating. So with Netflix, um, kind of the opposite of, of Netflix jail, which is ironic because the series takes place in a jail this time. Um, Everyone just got the first 12 episodes. There they are. Everyone. English dub. Yep, it's there too. Uh, which kind of baffled me, but I was, you know, thrilled. Um, and I think that it's, it's interesting because um, I think uh, James was mentioning, I forget, I think maybe off recording, but JoJo's doing fairly well, at least trending um, on Netflix. And, you know, I think that it's interesting, like every one of the JoJo series, and the reason why I think it's it's doing well is because, you know, JoJo has been popular for decades, um, especially as a comic in Japan, 
but it's only been really the last five years that sort of there's been kind of a internet phenomenon explosion. And part Maybe of that, Renaissance too. yeah, and I think part of that is memes. Like I think that there's at least one or two defining memes per season. You have it was Ideo. You have the uh, certain character stopped thinking for the second one. You have the yes, 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 yes for three. Um, for four, you have Kira's uh, monologue about you know I'm a normal man or whatever it was. For five, you have you have the music, um, sort of the theme as its own kind of meme. Um, I don't know what if there's going to be a meme for the sixth one yet, but um, so this is sort of the first JoJo series to be released. I feel that like it's it's peak, you know, popularity internet meme. Like anyone who's in a fandom space on the internet knows JoJo, and now it's available on the most probably the most popular streaming service. Um, and it's a female-led series. Um, it's not as I think. Um, sort of overtly queer as something like Arcane, but having, you know, a, a multi-female-led, uh, you know, series, I think is interesting. Like one of my main complaints about part three was what I perceive as sexism. But anyways, uh, so part six, I think, has a lot going for it. It has, you know, likable main character. Um, but the the release, I think, is the, the most interesting thing. Um, so the I guess negative is we I don't think we know when the second chunk is coming out um but it's it's nice like I I can just watch the dub and it's the same <laughs> release as the Japanese version um so it's a nice change for me at least as as a, a someone who prefers the English dub for many many series Nice to watch it all at once instead of week to week there, uh, Jeff, because I guess that's the other big change for a lot of people, too. And, of course, what they complained about, right? They're like, oh, I can't watch it when it's being released. But do you really need to watch something when it immediately yeah. comes out? <laughs> it's interesting because, like, when I watched, you know, at least the first two or three series, like, you know, they were already released. So I had that freedom to to binge or watch a couple episodes if I wanted. Um I guess it's fun right now. It's going to be frustrating in three episodes when I get to the end, um, <laughs> which I guess is just the binge curse. Like, yep, that's what happens. It happened with Shaman King a few months ago. It's happening with Jojo to a lesser extent now. Um, but next week, Shaman King comes back. So great. I don't know. You know, I, I, it all in cycles. Um, it works I for Netflix somehow. So that's I how it goes. It would... Yeah, I think it would be worse if we were like in the summer or like the end of the sort of school year um, when the series start to go away. But because we're in sort of, well, we're out of it right or we're about to be out of it right now. Um, actually, I guess it's extending. We're still early, but, um, you know, we've we've been in sort of a series or in a you know, the period of the year where like, you know, there's a new episode of The Flash for me to watch. There's Young Justice coming out. There's Doctor Who. There's whatever, like new episodes of series are showing up for during the week. Hawkeye is is cool and it's it's coming out. So it, I'm, I'm not want for con uh, content at this point. So yeah, it's going to be frustrating in three episodes, but Shaman King's next week. I'll be fine. <laughs> Ayo. Right. I guess the only other thing of interest, you know, I was thinking back to what you said too, Jeff, is, and a lot of people talk to about 
is that for this part, for JoJo's, we have a female main character. And of course, the manga was obviously written a long time ago for some of it as he went through the years and stuff like that. And for this part, when the creator got you for writing the manga and then had to go to the editorial board and stuff like that, supposedly he had to fight to get it to be a female character and stuff like that and to get the cast he wanted because the editor, his editor, and I guess the people at the manga magazine, I think it was uh, Shonen Jump or whatever, I yeah. should say that, they actually believed because it was to a younger male demographic, they wouldn't relate and it wouldn't work at all in the magazine. And he had to fight to actually get that done. He was able to push it through and it worked out. But it, it kind of boggles the mind that they could think that. I'm I'm curious, like, because it is shown in Jump. It's aged, at, it's aimed at twelve year olds. Mm-hmm. It the, the series starts out with like a pretty overt masturbation reference, and I'm like, is this really twelve year old boy book? Okay, um, I'm wondering, like, did they did they add that for the anime? Probably not. Um, but yeah, no, I could believe that. Um, you know, look at the history of female led shonen shonen series in general, but especially shonen Jump. Um, <laughs> Like, you know, I think there's what, like two artist writers in the history and I'm not probably just as many female led series. Um, maybe I'm being a bit of an exaggeration, but um, I'm I'm glad that he, I guess, had enough clout that he was able to push that through. Cause... I guess by part six, they're like, OK, I guess we'll give this one <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> the immortal vampires, we know them, right? Oh. Yeah. OK. James. Uh, what's the one thing you want to bring up? Well, the uh, one quick one uh, to our video game related, but the one was uh, that Bloomberg, I guess, for Sony had an update, and we'll see if it turns out to be true uh, next year in regards to them trying to compete with Microsoft and Xbox and Game Pass, and that they're likely next year going to merge PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now into a tiered system. And that one of the tiers is probably going to have PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PSP games streaming along with some of their other games for PS4 and PS5. No feed I guess a bigger uh, competition for uh, Game Pass. And I guess that ties back to what we talked about, about them shutting down PSN Store for PlayStation 3, Vita, and PSP. So now the darts start to connect, right? Well, at least there's something. It sounds nice, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. What did Jeff more. want to uh, pitch in there? <laughs> no, no, I was no just Vita? wondering. No you, mentioned, you, you mentioned every console except Vita. Oh, well, life isn't everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. The only thing that comes to mind right now, um, and it's kind of unrelated to this. First of all, it sounds nice. Because for all this hope of backward compatibility and stuff, well, I mean, to be able to play vintage, I guess uh, that's not the greatest word, but vintage games. And they're talking about cloud gaming too, I think, for it. And I know Microsoft has been doing that with Game Pass as well. The only question mark is we know relatively where Game Pass is for pricing. It'll be interesting to see where PlayStation Spartacus with their new tiers for PlayStation Plus, how they're going to price it. But I think they're going to price it similar way and those are going to be higher prices. So I think people are finally going to have to decide, okay, which camp are you going to be in? Are you going to be Xbox or are you going to be uh, 
PlayStation, and some of them, interesting enough, uh, I think are starting to embrace, I guess, these new digital uh, era. I'm still fine with, and I'd rather get it physically and stuff like that, so I'm not really going to be in this uh, race, as they say, but it was interesting for Black Friday. They said the Xbox, I think the S version, was the best seller. And that's because, of course, it was actually in the stores, unlike all the other consoles. <laughs> and the other the thing default, was default, Game Pass. Default. And Game Pass was the other thing, because I'm guessing they're like, oh, I don't need to buy a game. I'm just going to get this Game Pass thing, and I'll have all these games at my fingertips, right? So it's interesting how people's mindset changes and the idea of I don't need a disk drive at all, right? So Switch. What do we say about Switch in all of this? Because they, they've haven't they introduced uh, some services recently? Yeah, that we we talked about uh, <laughs> the disappointment, and the disappointment actually continued this week because a few days know. ago they announced, "Oh, you remember that expansion pass we released at the end of October? We're going to add some games. One game, Paper Mario N sixty four next week." And all the people came out and said, "What is this BS?" They're like, you went from drip feed to even more drip feed, if you can even call it that. I was like saying, that's it? Okay, not much. But it's it's interesting because you look at the price point that and they say, okay, if you want to play with the big boys and stuff like that and you want to offer something up, you better start playing. And the other thing is their emulation quality and stuff like that on some of them has to improve as well, especially on the N64. It may be good enough for most people. But at some point, they got to start putting their money where their mouth is because we know they're sitting on cash and we know that they can probably get some irons in the fire to maybe try and iron some of this out. And I bet you for Nintendo, all the people outside Kyoto are probably telling them that. But because they're a Kyoto company, they probably have their own mindset and are set in their ways, as we know. Hmm. Fair, fair point. And they probably have to be in the same room, too. That probably helps, too, as one friend joked. <laughs> well, it's just interesting because um, I, I, I said best friend who I talked to, who I mentioned just now. Kids are looking to get a kids are looking to get a switch for Christmas. And I think, he, and I think the regular anything? ones, we probably because we've seen those holiday bundles. They're the old versions. and I think they're just as good and stuff like that. You don't need an OLED switch and stuff like that so they're still out there it's just the oleds i think are harder to find but yeah, it's but just it's, it's it's interesting it's, it's a search isn't it yeah yeah but uh, if you want to switch you probably could find one you just may have to settle for you know you're just not getting uh, a ps5 or i guess those higher end uh, series x's and stuff like that which i guess the bots are getting every time they go up online since they've uh, that's another story altogether. that's another story altogether let's see how that one turns out okay. i think one day we'll be able to buy video game consoles in a, a store i'm not sure when but we might one day one day oh, that's my the funny the funny thing is i'll give you one more thing on the video game front and that is about a long-lost arcade game that should have been dead that came out uh, this week in Europe and Japan, and it's going to be on in two weeks in uh, North America. On Polybius? Switch and PS4. Hmm? I said Polybius? No, uh, Clockwork uh, Aquario, and it's a platformer from Westone. And so this one is an arcade game that they worked on for Westone. 1991, they sent it out, I think, 
for arcade testing in the arcades, either 92, 93, and then killed it in 94. And so I think if you recall your arcade history, of course, across the world and in Japan in 92, uh, 93, you can probably think and know why this platformer game in an arcade would die. And that is Street Fighter 2 and SNK and their fighting games. Because guess what? That's what they were playing back then. So that's why it probably got killed. But they still had most of it complete. And uh, a company called uh, Inan worked together with some of uh, the six people that worked on this game at Weststone, including uh, the head guy at Weststone, because they had done Wonder Boy, right? And they had done some stuff with them on that as well. So they said, hey, we have this uh, code in that. And they were able to uh, bring it back to life and then put it into uh, this game. And it's it's a fun game. It's a little on the easy side, but I think they probably still would have done some, with the testing, some tweaks to a pry on difficulty so they can get more 100 yen coins in there, and they probably would have done some stuff on the scoring system and things like that. But the thing about it is you don't get sprites like this anymore. They're big, they're chunky, they're fun, they're colorful. The other thing is the main villain, the three uh, protagonists are going after. He basically, the boss at, a, at the end of each stage, that main uh, villain is going into a robot, an animal robot at the end. And you're basically, once he's defeated, he crawls off and stuff like that. But it's just fun seeing them all. And then you can play it with two players too. So I guess in the arcades, you would have been uh, two-player cooperative, which would have been fun. So, And it was definitely 90s because your three people you can choose from are Hunk Lando, which is a boy, Ellie Moon, which is a girl, and then Gush the robot. Hmm. Don't know what else to add. I'd, uh, I, I, I'd want to look it up, though. But yeah, if you look up, I think there's a few things out there talking about its history. But it's interesting to see. You don't hear that that often about a game that was pretty well uh, dead and stuff like that, being able to get back out into the wild and people to try it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Especially I mean, uh, on the Japan side, stuff like that. We have had, I know, Star Fox 2 and other things like that, but. That's an, well, another it's one. A nice it's a, it is a cool story. Okay. Um, let me do the, let me do the community calendar first and then I'll say my thing. Cause it's related to the show. Nothing bad, but let's, uh, let's just do it in proper order. Okay. So, uh, let's go through the anime community calendar just quickly. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned humble bundle. Um, I think they did the Kazuo Koike thing that's been extended. I think it has five more days, but by the time this is on, it may be done. Or it will be in the back end, of course. And by the time most people listen to it, it'll probably be done. And then we mentioned the uh, the think like uh, Live Like a Samurai bundle, basically a bunch of uh, old books, really good. That came and went. That's done. But there is a new bundle in there now. The uh, how do how? What's the best way to describe it? It's a light novel uh, bundle from uh, Kodansha, and it's from the Monogatari uh, series and stuff like that, the Nisuison books and stuff like that. That is the uh, fellow that uh, writes them up and stuff like that. And I know uh, Anaplex has done animes based on these books and stuff like that. So I know it's got quite a following, but I haven't uh, read them myself. I haven't either, but I'm well aware of it. And I know that there's some on Crunchyroll, so I, I want to give this a shot. 
uh, I think uh, how many how many items in this? Forty some odd items. Yeah, it sounds like quite a bit. It's almost like the Kyoke uh, one as well, because that one had quite a few uh, in there too. Yeah, forty-four books and roughly uh, just under thirty-eight dollars Canadian. Once again, these are eBooks. Sounds like a good value. Always when whenever stuff like this comes along, so uh, that's worth checking out. There. NHK World has broadcasted the annual Songs of Tokyo Festival. This would have been, as I said, the Ingl- the uh, Western counterpart to the uh, the Kohaku Utakasen that's traditionally done during the New Year. At least the way I look at it, it was started. Uh, it was started in celebration of the then upcoming Tokyo Olympics, but it's traditionally taken place in the exact same hall that the uh, the Kohaku takes place in that re- that hall is under renovation. So songs of Tokyo didn't take place there. The Kohaku will not take place there. It's going to take place at a convention center elsewhere in Tokyo, but this did happen this year and all four parts of it are now online on the NHK world website. We'll have a link for that. I think there it's up until sometime in January, always worth a watch, especially since the, since uh, well-known artists that uh, anime fans will be familiar with do show up during it. I didn't look through the guest list yet, but I think I think Kana Hanazawa does show up in it. And that's timely because she does have the lead role in uh, Maiko-san Chi no Makanai-san, Kyo in Kyoto. She plays Kyo herself. So that's uh, something uh, probably worth checking out, and we always mention it whenever it comes up. So it's up. We're checking out. So let's talk Japan Foundations just for a couple seconds. Japan Foundation New York in its ongoing series on um, academic perspectives in Japanese pop culture. The next next uh, entry in that series will take place December 16th. I forgot what day of the week that is. Somebody tell me. Thank you. I'm going to look that up. Give me one second. Thursday. is a Thursday. Thank you. Not next week, but the week after. The week after. Shoujo manga. The power and influence of girls' comics will be the focus. And four shoujo manga experts will give their takes. Deborah Shamoon, Mia Lewis, Kazumi Nagake, and Erica Friedman, that's a familiar name. They'll delve into the history and take a closer look at the styles and themes that make it unique. That's a worth a watch. Always, uh, always an interesting series whenever entries in the uh, academic perspectives and Japanese pop culture series uh, comes up through the Japan Foundation New York. Not to be outdone, the Japan Foundation Toronto in association with the Canadian Film Institute and the Embassy of Japan in Canada, announce the 39th Annual Japanese Film Festival, which will take place online next weekend, December 9th to 11th. Uh, During those 72 hours, they'll um, offer two films for free streaming if you're in Canada. Those films being Mixed Doubles, the 2017 comedy, and Bento Harassment, a 2019 comedy. I don't know much about them, but hey, free is always good. And 
they did do something like this last year with a handful of movies. I think Koshian was one of them. And I think, uh, I think Seven Year Goodbye was part of that as well, if memory serves me right. But yes, uh, the, yes, we're doing a film festival here for, uh, for Canada, a Japanese film festival in Canada. And I did clarify this with them. Um, I mentioned the JFF Plus, the uh, big one, the big Japanese film festival that happens early in the new year. It's been confirmed for 16 countries. One of them's not Canada at this point. There are no plans for Canada, but that could change. Who knows? Anyway, those, uh, oh, what else? And is there, do we have anything else to mention? No, that's about it. That's about it. We on- could mention uh, Discotech Day uh, happening on the 13th of the Monday. But if you've listened to this, you might have already watched that too and stuff like that. But that's on the Monday, the 13th. Yeah, so well, maybe it, in the future we might talk about that. You never know. One of their uh, their online's uh, online reveal um, shows, which they seem to be doing on a quarterly basis. Well, I guess the last one must have been Oticon. They did and stuff like that. So I guess it makes sense that uh, one would pop up and stuff like that. I think they did one last year in December too. Yeah, basically, you know, they I might. Mean, this- they might do uh, what they did last year, too, where they tried to start a new holiday tradition, as Mike Tool said, and that was they had the Sanrio uh, anime of Nutcracker, and I think they might try to stream that 24 hours on Christmas or something like that, since it's a related uh-huh. Christmas movie. On the topic of adaptations from previous works. Okay. So uh, just a quick announcement. This is uh, more related to this show. Uh, we've hinted this. Um, we made the joke a couple weeks ago since I uh, since some of the equipment got upgraded. Um, there's now a roadcaster sitting here at six points, and uh, that'll be uh, used regularly now, whichever version of the show we end up doing, whether it's in person or online. That isn't the only thing we now have in store. Um, we We are gonna try and increase this show's presence. So to that end, we are going to really start press, uh, pushing the idea. Please give us a, a follow or a, a subscription or subscribe to us on YouTube or a follow on Twitch in the near future because we are going to be adding or try to do things there, more video uh, stuff. So just um, this doesn't really change the podcast itself, the original or the main Anime Roundtable podcast. Chances are, at least um, in the immediate in the immediate run, it will still be almost exclusively a audio podcast. But we we are going to add the audio to the YouTube page wherever we can, and things other things that we'll do probably the space heater chats and other interviews. And we're going to try and get more people to come on the show a little bit more, hear from old friends, and get more guests. It'll probably be video uh, done in video, and w- they will be streamed on Twitch or YouTube. And who kn- um, and who knows, we might uh, do quite a few of them live as well. So, as I said, we really, really want you to um, give us a follow on Twitch, a subscription on YouTube, hit the subscribe button there, and we'll put links. And we'll probably redo the presence on Twitch and, um, not Twitch, Twitter and Facebook in the near future. So now that we are, uh, we constantly made the joke about 
being on Twitter, Discord, or Twitch, Discord, Facebook, YouTube, well, we're going to try and take it a little bit more seriously now. And we'll try and regularly uh, give our takes on, uh, on, a more, on a more consistent basis. And hopefully be able to add a few more little, uh, little fun things. I think uh, some of us have a habit of doing, um, doing uh, open videos or unpa- unpackaging videos. And um, hopefully, and one of the things uh, I've always stated I wanted to do was stream myself playing, uh, doing the playthrough of uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2. So just ideas that you should be, uh, well, listeners should be aware of uh, about things uh, to come in the near future. Hopefully we can uh, bump up uh, bump up, and um, have people uh, come out and uh, check, out, uh, check out the roundtable a little more with a, a little bit more more content. And uh, I think we'll kick it off uh, hopefully within the next week or so. James, you're, you're in, you're in, we'll do a, we'll do something together. Yep. Test if, out the video streaming. If we find uh, the time and yeah, yeah. I will uh, try to join you in between work and uh, maybe other things. I know uh, the game awards are on Thursday, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, the the idea with all of this after the uh, anime North experience back in May, we we uh, as fun as it was uh, in many respects on the technical end, we were really weren't prepared. But it was such a it was a lot of fun to have done. We really enjoyed it, and we really enjoyed being able to acknowledge the hundred or so people who we knew were watching that late uh, during the during anime North and the stay at home edition. So we really want to be able to uh, replicate that again and hopefully um, have a few more come a few more people uh, actually listen in on the conversations as they're happening. So as I said, give us a uh, a subscribe there in the near future. Jeff, hopefully you will have something to add to it. I've asked you (laughs) one day, one day, hopefully in the near future. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Do you think we're being? Uh, do you think I'm uh, being a little bit too ambitious, or you're willing to come along for the ride? Either well, one, of you? one step at a time. Yeah. Even Maybe if it's an ambitious step, mistake. then it's still going to oh, be yeah, easier. We got to start somewhere. Just truth be told, this is gonna it's gonna look really bad. But uh, hey, check it out when the time comes. But um, we're done. That's about it. Uh, hopefully, uh, Mo, uh, Mo and Kevin will be able to join us, and they'll be uh, be able to add their two cents on various things. And hopefully, we'll have more to talk about. But in any event, that's all we have for tonight. So uh, once again, we're going to give the uh, so the contacts. We're going to we want to hear from you. Anime Roundtable at gmail dot com. If you want to go old school, Twitter, Instagram at Anime Roundtable, Anime Roundtable dot com. As always, word of mouth is always appreciated. So tell your friends about this show if you think they'll like it. And don't forget, wherever you can, you can leave us a review wherever you're seeing or listening to this because reviews and good reviews may help us in the algorithm and ensure it shines its fortune on us. We typically do regular episodes once every other week, but as mentioned, with the changes that are now planned, we're going to try to be a little more frequent with that. So subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Twitch or Twitter or Instagram so you can be notified whenever we add something new. 
And also, in the meantime, check out our playlist on Spotify, which has music inspired by many of the things we talk about here. That's it. So until the next time we're online, thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. And join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Anything else to add? No? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll be good.